0: guys it's the hollywood life podcast and we have so much to talk about today i am here with my co-anchor i just paused
2: okay i'm back hi guys i'm so excited to be here um we have such a great guest for you today but right before we begin as always make sure you hit the subscribe button and you comment how much you love this episode give us five stars and let us know if you want any guests to join us next time
0: That's right, and you are going to find our discussion so interesting today. We have got a very special guest, political commentator, S.E. Cup. Welcome, S.E. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me.
2: Well,
0: we're so happy to have you, and it really couldn't be at a more timely time because um, I've seen your videos that are on CNN, and you have been talking about Marjorie Taylor Greene a lot. And she is very much in the news. In fact, as we speak, she might be getting voted to be getting thrown off of her House House of Representative committees. So tell us why you have been so incensed about her.
1: Well, in a long list of disappointments as a, as a conservative, um, folks like Donald Trump and Roy Moore and, you know, Steve King, and I think have really taken the party in an ugly, divisive, oftentimes racist, and now conspiratorial direction. And Marjorie Taylor Green is sort of the, the last logical conclusion of that, right? Someone who literally supports QAnon and, and um, you know, says all these kooky things that are actually really, not just gross, but, but dangerous. And so now that that's inside Congress um, it makes me very concerned not just for the fate of the party but for our country um, you know conspiracy theories are not just for the right <laughs> you know they're 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 all over the place and it's undermining our faith in all kinds of American institutions it's undermining our faith in elections in the media in law enforcement the military our intelligence um, and that's that's really deleterious, that's really dangerous for the country. So I think we need to call this stuff out and sort of shame it uh, away if we can, because I think when we pretend she doesn't matter, she's irrelevant, just kind of ignore her. Well, you get more, you get more Marjorie Taylor Greens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've absolutely seen that ignoring
0: QAnon and its followers, um, it can. I mean, look what it leads to. It leads to insurrection when people are allowed to keep believing, aren't being called out by any members of supposedly the party that they belong to, and in fact, they had a, a leader, Donald Trump, who was the president and who did not. Con- and who didn't condemn QAnon? he seemed he appeared to be a fan of it and he was a fan of marjorie taylor
1: Greene. he said she was a star in the republican party he did and i remember being on cnn around that time when he was calling her you know the future of the, the republican party and i said i don't doubt that she is i mean she is probably the future of the party because as you say when the president of the united states right the loudest voice and the the, the biggest representation of your party is embracing you, calling QAnon patriots? Why? Just because they like him? Um, then that sends a message of legitimacy yeah. and credibility that I, you can't you can't rival that. You can't match that by saying, "But wait a second, that's crazy. That doesn't make any sense." President the, the United States just gave you a shout out. I mean, that's that's what you're going to hear. And so, you know, we had someone on our air just recently, maybe yesterday, a woman who said who was a QAnon supporter and who left, and said if Donald Trump, who she worshiped, had said, you know what? I did some research, QAnon's bunk. It's not real. She would have believed that. Yeah. So, you know, it's hard to overstate how potent and powerful his voice was in fomenting this wave of conspiracy theorists and, um, you know, un-American kind of garbage.
2: Yeah. Well, and so for our listeners that might not know this, um, you are, I don't, I don't want to like mislabel you, I guess, but you consider yourself a Republican, but you're not a Republican of this new party.
0: Republican. Yeah.
2: I mean, I do not begrudge you for sort of fumbling over how to say,
1: cause I'm fumbling over how, you know, how to identify. I'm certainly a conservative, that's a value set that doesn't change yeah. with, you know, the parties and stuff, but a Republican, I don't know anymore. I don't know this party. I don't know these Republicans. This isn't why, you know, what drew me to the party. I, I, you know, I came in um drawn to limited government, self-reliance, self-empowerment, lower taxes, small government, you know, that kind of stuff, which, you know, seemed normal and empowering mm-hmm. to me. And I don't know what the party stands for now. I, I think if you were a Martian and you came to earth, and someone asked you, okay, what, you know, what's the Republican Party about? You'd say whatever Trump just said. Yeah. Because the Republican Party has just mirrored back whatever Trump wanted it to be. It was for tariffs, which, I mean, we never were before. It was for kids in cages and separating families at the border. I thought we were a pro-family party. It was for raising the debt and deficit. I thought that was kind of the opposite of what we were all about. I mean, so I, I don't, uh, this Republican Party, not, not me. Maybe
2: a future one, we'll have to see. Yeah, so well, what's, what is the future? What is, where do we go from here? Because there are people that now call themselves Republicans that don't think in this conservative, you know, grand old party way, it is this new conspiratorial way. And, and where, where do they yeah. go? Where do we go?
0: Well, it does seem like that the Republican Party that's in power now is the, the QAnon party or the party of Trump, like however you want to define it. It isn't that old party at all. It isn't that because, as you said, like conservative values, to me, that means you uphold tradition right. and would uphold, truly uphold the Constitution. Right. <laughs> all of the values that that entails. And that doesn't mean going to the Capitol and, and threatening to hang the vice president
1: and, and shoot the Speaker of the House. Nor does it, I mean, you can even take it a step below that, a few rungs below that, nor is it about going to overturn a democratic election, which was you know, what they said the insurrection was about. Uh, that's the antithesis Yes. Of conservatism. Attacking the police were supposed to be for law and order. I mean, none of it made sense and cloaking it in patriotism or conservatism is just, it's just a lie. And um, I-, I think there are enough good conservatives that see through that, e- even in Congress, but there's certainly been a lack of courage to call out people like Marjorie Taylor Greene. Um, and I, I don't know if you guys saw, but last night the Republican House Conference held a vote on Liz Cheney, a very conservative yes. Congresswoman in, in Wyoming. They voted to, to, to kick her out of leadership because she voted to impeach Donald Trump. She called a vote of her conscience. Um, and she kept her leadership position. The vote was silent. And I think that's really important to point out. When the vote was silent, more republicans stood up for liz cheney if the vote had not been silent i'm not sure it would have gone that way and that's really that's really sad and disappointing
2: how do you
1: I'm yeah sorry. i mean ahead, i would ask
2: probably Go what Bonnie was going to ask but how, why are they still defending him like what are, why are they still scared of him he's not yeah, in road? office anymore it's it's um
1: bizarre to me, right? Because just basic math, this guy lost the presidency in, you know, um, his second time around. Republicans over the course of his four years lost the House and the Senate. He didn't deliver on most of the promises that he pledged. Um, So just in terms of the math, I'm not sure what Republicans thought they got other than tax cuts, which Joe Biden can repeal, and conservative judges. Um, Joe Biden can appoint liberal judges and, and I'm sure will across the country. Um, so the calculus doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I think he still holds some sway and some influence yeah. over a lot of voters. I mean, that's kind of inarguable And so I think there are members of Congress um, who are worried that pissing him off is going to imperil their next election. And people are up in less than two years. And so it's eye on the prize, but all of this short-term thinking for Republicans, right? Like the short-term thinking in 2015 was get Trump elected, no matter what craziness he says. Then the short-term thinking was get through the midterms. Then it was get him reelected. All the short term bargaining, like we'll accept this for the next gain. That is this never ending, vicious cycle that is just prolonging the inevitable, which is that there will be no voters left for the Republican Party if they keep whittling it down to a group of disaffected Republicans who, you know, let's face it, are probably going to die in 20 to 30 years and kooks, crazies. And racists. If that's your party, those are the people you are catering to. Good luck winning a national election ever again.
0: Yeah. Why do you feel that the Republican party was so ripe though to be taken over by Trump? Because he came in and at first there were Republican senators that acted like they were going to give him a hard time and yeah. they all, either they, they resigned, didn't run again, or they caved. Why?
1: Like why was he able to to do this hostile that, takeover. Yeah. I, I, look, I think books are going to be written about that and Trump's co-opting of the Republican Party for decades. Um, I'm working on one now because it is so hard. Uh, Bonnie, you know, I'm sure you both know Republicans, right? And Republicans from like you know the previous era when when we lost in 2012. You'll remember we did an autopsy uh, of of why we lost and who we lost as voters. Um, And, you know, I, I was tasked with identifying ways, messaging ways, and policy ways we could reach out to millennials, women, minorities, LGBTQ, and I saw us making a lot of progress on that. 2015 comes along, and it's like we forgot all the lessons I thought we had learned from 2012. We threw them out the window, and suddenly the RNC is running up to New York to get Donald Trump to sign a loyalty pledge. As if we should be begging this guy to marry us, it—it it was just it—it it blew my mind, and I don't know why and how. Completely, um, the takeover was so swift and complete. I'm sort of going back now for for this new project I'm working on to like forensically piece together, <laughs> yeah. like solve Seriously. a crime. You know, really interesting. How exactly how this happened to us because, and I feel like it did, it happened to me. Um, I, I was not a part of all of that, nor would I have, you know, co-signed. And it just feels, it's disorienting, Do you know, when you've been in something for a long time and you thought you knew it really well, it's very disorienting. So I don't i don't have that answer yet, Bonnie, but I think people are gonna be trying really hard to see how that happened for a long time. It's like a, It's like you were in a group and
0: a, a big portion of them suddenly became members of a cult. yes
1: and then it's not like that that's what happened. happened I mean that's what happened and I increasingly feel like it's better to view what's happening now in the Republican Party especially with Q and and Trumpism less like a set of political beliefs and more like a cult because there are a lot of these beliefs that you know sound political but they're not really they're 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 asinine. They're insane, and I think if you start looking at the 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 movement of of these voters and the people representing them as a cult, I think we were are actually we'll get closer to identifying solutions and how to how to solve for this. Mm-hmm. You need to interview some cult deprogrammers. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know if you're joking or serious, but I am oh, serious about yeah. that. Like, the, I think. I think that really is the way and we've had some on, on CNN because people talk about QAnon as if it's a cult and getting out of QAnon as if they were leaving a cult. And I just think there's so much attached to Trump and what we saw on January 6th, these people running to the Capitol under his command,
2: Yeah, to,
1: I'm not even sure they knew what they were trying to do. Um, I think it is very, very cult-like and l- less about you know, beliefs and
2: ideology. Yeah, I feel like you need to get like Leah Ramini in here to talk about like yeah. Scientology yes. versus Trumpism. You know? I mean, I
1: don't know. Did you guys watch like the um the Nexium docs? Like we covered it. Yeah. Yeah, we covered it. I mean I loved them all. I could watch, I watched uh, seduced and I watched um
2: The Sin or whatever it's called, the one on Showtime. Right, we,
0: right.
1: We so, interviewed a couple of the ex members
0: too.
2: Yeah. Yes. Um,
1: oh, so good. I mean, so, so good. But I watched that feeling like, oh, and then I watched the Heaven's Gate one. Oh, which yeah. Which was really good. I watched those thinking, this is so familiar. This is so sort of, um, it rhymed, you know, with what I'm seeing in politics right now in, mm-hmm. you know, on the far right.
2: Yeah. Well, and, you know, something that kind of just came to me. The like, <laughs> oh, the va- the vow, exactly. that's what it is. I said the sin, the <laughs> vow. The um, vow, okay. <laughs> so, you know, I was thinking about this and it kind of just came to me. I know you're really good friends with Megan McCain. She's one of your besties. Um, so, you know, I remember seeing when Trump was kicked off Twitter um, that there was a big question of censorship, though. that You know, and that is something that conservatives and the Republican Party, the GOP, takes very seriously. What are your thoughts on him not being... On the app yeah. and just censorship in that way. I'm
1: very sensitive to censorship as a journalist. Yeah. I'm sure you guys are too. Whoops. The whole enchilada. Um, so I take censorship and the idea of censorship and free speech really, really seriously. And I struggled for a while with whether Trump should be deplatformed. And that was partly because I think knowing as much as we can is better, Mm -hmm. that sunlight is the best disinfectant, that sort of thing. But I did come around to the idea of deplatforming him because I don't think he was using that platform responsibly, um, one. And two, I was seeing the corrosive nature of what he was doing on social media. I was seeing it in everyday life, you know, with some of my friends and family. And then, you know, what we saw on January 6th as sort of a culmination I saw him eroding all of these institutions through a very powerful, potent um, you know, platform and tool. So look, he is not censored. He is free to give an interview to any news outlet anytime he wants. I would take it, wouldn't you? I mean, you'd you'd give him a microphone, right?
0: Sure. So
1: he's not he's not silenced. He has a huge platform, um, a bigger one than almost anyone on the planet, if he wants it. So I feel like it was the right move but I don't take that lightly you know I don't
2: Mm -hmm.
1: that's not an easy call for me. Well there is a line
0: between freedom of speech and hate speech and hate speech isn't allowed and essentially he filled us our ears with hate speech for over five years.
1: Not just that he normalized it you know in a way you know he made it credible he made it justifiable. And I think a lot of the folks that rushed to the Capitol in January felt justified in their anger. And he gave it a nobility that it didn't deserve, but he did that with Twitter. He did that seasoning over four years and conditioning to where it didn't seem crazy to some people to say the election was stolen. I'm going to go take it back by, by storming the Capitol. I mean... So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/achieve today.
0: Mm-hmm. Since you you um, brought up Megan, Ali, how do you feel? And I was I was shocked and heartbroken myself about this because I felt it was so I felt it was so wrong about the Arizona Republican Party censuring her mother. And her father, her yep. late father, I mean, her father was a war hero and, and represented the state for decades in Congress and they censured him.
1: Yeah, it was gross. Listen, you know, Megan's a very tough girl and, uh, you know, she's used to this and sadly her mom is too. And her mom's very strong as well, but it's really gross, but again, it's 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 almost not surprising. You know, Donald Trump made John McCain an enemy um, when he first started running for office. He made fun of him. He mocked the fact that he was a prisoner of war. This this wasn't out of nowhere. Again, he conditioned the environment, even in Arizona, from Washington D.C. to sort of turn on this family um, and these beloved, you know, sons and daughters of Arizona again, it's a potent drug. Trump is a potent drug. And I, you know, among the, among many things, it was very, very sad to see. It is very sad to see.
2: It's amazing that he could, tr- John McCain represented the Republican party. He was the- he ran for president. president John McCain. That's what I, I keep saying to people. I said, when is it going to go back to the party of John McCain? And, yeah, you know, just to, to hypnotize these people it, it's so sickening and, and it makes me so sad for her in addition to the pain that they already have to go through to, to losing him uh,
1: believe me I wanted to go back to the party of John McCain too I mean that's the party I was I was yeah. drawn to and I think you know whatever side of the aisle you're on whatever your politics people admired John McCain mm-hmm And I miss that. And even if you're a Democrat, even if you're the farthest left Democrat, you should still want there to be two strong political parties because America doesn't function very well when one party has all the chips and the other party is dysfunctional and acting like idiots. um, That's when you get a lot of executive orders and maybe the guy giving them is your guy. So that then it's fine. But then when it's not, It's not fine. And that's not how it's supposed to go. Congress is supposed to write the laws. The president's supposed to sign them. And so this lopsided dysfunction is bad for all Americans. So I want and I hope my liberal friends want too, the Republican Party restored to some kind of semblance of of normalcy that that I remember, something I can be proud of and not ashamed of. Mm-hmm. And you wanted the Republican Party as well to become more
0: inclusive and to yeah. not be anti-LGBTQ. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I think that that would open the door. The fact that it wasn't that way would open the door to so many people. And also, uh, how do you feel about the party being not as anti-abortion? Because again, that means so many yeah. women, you know,
1: can't, Yeah, so well, I came... I, I came to my um, support for gay rights early before a lot of Democrats did, um, just because I grew up with it. I grew up um, dancing ballet in Boston and it was my world. I mean, these were fr- my friends. I didn't know any different. And so when I got older and realized there were people who didn't like my friends, it was personal for me. And it never conflicted with my politics because it felt to me like it is conservative to want the government out of my private life and yeah, to want out of your bedroom. Out of bedroom. Like that that feels conservative. So I could, and look, if you're pro-family, you like, you like marriage, you think marriage is stabilizing and good for the economy and good for fa- Well, then you you should want any two people who love each other to get married, right? So that felt normal to me. And that's the case I make to other people that you can be conservative, you can be in favor of gay marriage, you can do it from a conservative place. As for abortion, that's trickier for me because I am pro-life. I don't think we need to overturn Roe v. Wade and I think there should be um, abortion should be legal, safe and rare, which used to be the Democratic platform as well. Mm-hmm. And most Americans are in the middle on that issue. They support legal abortion, but they want some restrictions. Way over on the far left, you've got sort of no rules. And way over on the far right, it's like no abortions for anyone ever that's not really representative of where most people are. So I'd be okay with the party kind of just representing most Americans. You can have your feelings on abortion, but again, legal, safe, rare, with some, I think, common sense restrictions. I think we'd sound a lot less crazy Mm -hmm. if we talked about it in compassionate terms and terms that real women can relate to, not in these sort of absolutes that no one can relate to. Right, I agree with you. Not the absolutes, the the center. Yeah. Now,
0: you're um, you're a mom, and right. How old is your son? He just
1: turned six. He is. It's why I'm in my closet because he's <laughs> virtually schooling from home in a little pod. So this is like my quiet space. Um, but yeah, little little Jack. How, have, how has
0: it been for you as a mother? Now, as a, he was five when this started, so he would have been in kindergarten, like he hasn't gotten to experience real school hardly.
1: Like, right. how are you managing this? I keep telling myself that he's just in kindergarten and he's got, you know, 12 years to experience school. And to me, I think like the curriculum in kindergarten is less important than the socialization. And that's what I'm sad that he's missing out on. Like I said, we have a pod. So he goes to school oh, in, at home with another kid. So he has a play date every day, which is nice. He's mm-hmm. not completely like a shut-in, but um, yeah, it makes me sad. I mean, I you know could get um, emotional about it now, but our kids are resilient, right? And he's a happy kid, we're healthy, and I can't dwell on the things I can't control. And that's what I've learned through this pandemic is to focus on the things I can change. And, you know, we do silly stuff now that I don't think I would have done before this, you know, like ice cream social in the middle of the day, but it's the ice cream antisocial because (laughs) there's no one around. Or, you know, we, we, we try to have as much fun um, as we can. I'm grateful for that sort of awakening that I should be having more fun with him. And he is six, you know, there's there, there will be time for him to get back um, to regular life.
0: Mm-hmm. How have you been, um, like, how have you been handling any lessons you have to help teach or what the teacher wants you to do? Like, I guess as you're right, he's, he's only six. So it's not like he's in the middle of having to study to, to get into college, you know, and write essays which i think would be so hard
1: if no it's mostly it's like paying attention paying attention and sitting still is like you know the tough the toughest part of of his day and i i'm lucky i have help um because i work full yeah. time I, I i can't i can't be teacher all day um but look it's a lot of it's a lot of patience And this kid can maneuver around a computer better than I can today. I mean, you should see him with his, you know, he's into this and then he's onto this and mom, make that smaller, mom, (laughs) click on the link. I'm like, you use this words like scroll. I'm like, who (laughs) are you? Um, So I, you know, again, I try to focus on the positives, the stuff he's learning right now that maybe he wouldn't otherwise.
2: Yeah. Even that resilience, like you said, I mean, for adults, this has been hard and kids, you know, they are going to remember this forever. And so I think that just learning this process maybe now and young is going to help them um, in the long run. Now, maybe back briefly to your best friend, Megan, have you given her any parenting advice since she's a new mom? Yes, only solicited. I, I'm not, I'm not a mom
1: that's like, let me tell you everything I know. Here's how you have to do it. Cause I don't know anything. Um, all I know is about my kid. I don't know about your kid. I don't, you know, I don't know how you should be a mom. Uh, but no, she's of course, during pregnancy, there were lots of questions. And then, you know, in the first few months, um, mostly like does this get easier when do you sleep like normal stuff but she's doing such a great job and uh you know that kiddo is so adorable and she says that she's just been really really good like a really good baby and despite all the craziness that goes on around her at work and and elsewhere and in the world um you know that kiddo's been great and so she's like oh it's one thing i don't you know the kid's never driving me crazy. The kid is the kid is great. So no. I'm so She's thrilled like, for her. <laughs> She's lucky like, she didn't have a colicky baby. <laughs> I mean, no, she she lucked out. I did too. I, you know, my my kid was a terrific baby. And you know, they say you get the, you know, the you, you get the kids you can handle, right? And so obviously I, I couldn't handle much much more than, <laughs> than that. <laughs> um
0: are you going to be as become like uh you're writing this book which sounds super interesting like are you um involved with any of the republican groups that are trying to i don't know bring bring like coalesce with a new form of the party or kick the trumpers out like i don't know or or just keep electing democrats until Mm. the republican party can decide to reform itself are you involved with the Lincoln Project or the Republicans for accountability anything like that
1: not officially as a journalist um, I try That's to, I try you, to you know I try to keep that separate and other others are in and out of those spaces I try to keep that separate um, but I am certainly supportive I'm a fan of you know of all of theirs and and I I do talk to other Republicans in, in Congress um, mm-hmm. Uh, you know who are, who are trying to steer the party in the right direction. And you know, we have powwows and stuff like that. Uh, so I try to be helpful where I can, but I, I think my, my most important role is as a journalist and e- even as an opinion journalist um, to sort of put my, my voice out there in the way that I do. It's just it's where I'm comfortable. It's I think where I'm best, you know, most useful.
0: I, I, I'd like to see more of your voice. Like, I wish that your voice, I mean, I know, you know, you've, you're associated with CNN, um, but your voice on a Fox, like, or on these other, you know, Newsmax, OAN, like, that's where
1: those people are. They're not hearing voices like yourself. No, it's such an echo chamber. And, and you know similarly on, on the left, there can be a bubble too, where you're just not hearing like, you, know, a- average Republicans. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a problem with media in general right now. It's, there's so much of it and yet it's so concentrated um, and it's so self-selecting. But uh, I gotta be honest, I don't think a, a Fox or a Newsmax would want me. You know What purpose do I serve? Right. over there. Um, you know, it's, it's not just that, like, I, I don't really want to be a part of that ecosystem. I don't think they want me either.
2: Right. If well, that's it,
1: the problem. Exactly. I, yeah,
2: true. Yeah, that kind of goes into one of my last questions is that, you know, do you think that conversations between, you know, liberals and conservatives can, you know, positive conversations, moving conversations, and just like normal discussions exist anymore because of the divisiveness that Trump has created. Because even when you see Megan on The View, Megan and Joy, it seems so hostile, even though Megan is just sharing a viewpoint. And, you know, it's just yeah. a quick, a quick so everyone's so quick to attack.
1: I hope so. I mean, that's what I try, that's what I look for. And, and you know, whether I'm hosting a show or I'm doing an interview, I want to have a dialogue, and I have people on all the time that I I disagree with. I mean, yeah. you know, I think I had, you know, probably a hundred elected Democrats on, you know, the show over time. I I think there's a way to talk about anything civilly, um, and come come from a place of of problem solving, and that's what I'm interested in. And when I when I you know sit down with people like Van Jones, right, one of my super Dear friends at CNN from the left, and we used to do a lot of speeches together. Um, you know, we both come at it from the same place problem solving. Mm-hmm. If you're interested in solving a problem, and I'm interested in solving a problem, it doesn't really matter what we disagree on. Let's find the things we agree on. I don't really know that that's a winning project in like cable news mm. anymore. I don't know that there is a real interest in comedy, you know, with a T, um, anymore. And I was saying this before the election, Joe Biden kept promising to unify the country. And I thought that was wonderful, but I didn't know if the feeling was mutual. I didn't know that the country wanted to unify, you know, I think people feel really good entrenched in their tribes and it's hard to break people out of that. I think, I think the
0: Trumpers feel happy in their tribe. I don't, I don't know about the, um, the Democrats. I mean, I talked to lots, I guess I'm a Democrat, talked to lots of people who would like to see more unity, like yeah. really bothered that, it, that we're in two different worlds that can't talk and don't, as you said, in completely different
1: ecosystems, like they recognize yeah. that's bad. Well, I, I, that is great to hear. Because that's what I want I, I you know, I want to get back to a place where we can talk about policies, right, that really impact Americans and not the whack jobs in our party or, you know, the loudest idiots in the room. That's not helpful. That's not helpful to, to Americans, right, to, to voters, to people who are really hurting and could could use good people in government to help solve some problems. That's, that's what they're there to do is solve some problems. And unfortunately, um, Breaking stuff has become too politically profitable you know, to turn away from. If you break it, then you can run on fixing it. If you break it, you can fundraise off of it. If you break it, you can make people afraid of it. Mm-hmm. If you fix it, well, then why? And that's awful and gross and very cynical, but that's kind of where we are. Well, I just uh, want to ask you, you met Trump ever? Yes, uh, many times. Um, I used to... <laughs> I, so I used to do Fox many years ago. And, and so I, I did TV with him, I think a couple of times and his, his son, Don Jr. And then um, I did a couple um, events where he spoke and I spoke separately, but we were at the events together. I introduced him for an event once. This is all before he ran. Right. And then um, I lived in a Trump building in the city for a year. Not because it was a Trump building, it's just where I happened to move. And he sent me a housewarming present when I moved in. It's a cutting board with my initials like branded into it with a note like, welcome, you know, welcome to the building or whatever. I was never, um, you know, a supporter, but back when he was just kind of like an eccentric media mogul um, before birtherism, because I was not with him on that at all uh you know he was a figure in New York you know and that was the extent of our relationship and then and then he when he's harmful right like he didn't seem uh, I mean I mean I as a woman you know how you can sort of get a vibe um this is not a guy I want to get too friendly with I got, I got that yes. but yeah the heart har- not so harmful that I this guy is an e- evil right um, yeah, not even, and like, then I started covering him the for country. the campaign. I mean, I got, no, he did not give yeah. that vibe. <laughs> he did give a creepy vibe, um, you know, as kind of a lecherous yeah. old guy. Yeah. But uh, no, I, I would, you know, I, I don't think I, when when he was gonna run, his camp told me a couple days before he's running and sent me a copy of his speech. And I read it over and it was very business focused. Some of the projects he had helped rebuild and turn around. And I thought, well, this isn't it, this is a platform. This is interesting. Will he, you know, will he do anything with this? Who knows, but this is interesting. Of course, cut to a couple of days later he didn't read any of the speech, none of what was prepared. And then I thought, oh God, this is gonna be a shit show. And I just have to buckle, buckle in for it. And it was clear very early on that I, you know, wanted nothing to do with that, uh, uh, other than to criticize it. Um, But yeah, it's a, it's a, it's weird to have known a person, but like briefly and vaguely, but known a person, and then just watched sort of the dumpster fire that ensued.
0: Right. Yeah, I think that's, um, I mean, I, you met him much more than I did. I met him a couple times. And yes, agree with you that, yeah, you don't want to be, too close but certainly Alone in a closet said, no yes definitely not but just I never got any sense of what he would become how he would would become so evil in yeah. office and so yeah you know and that he could build a
1: cult around him it just never you know. occurred to me right I mean you're in publishing I'm sure you cross paths you know mm-hmm. at some point it didn't it never occurred to me I thought he's I didn't even think I, I thought he was capable of all that. You know, like no, it would it was it, it would take too much organization, right, <laughs> to to do what he did, and, and that just never occurred to me. It's bizarre and terrifying, really. Well, listen, I it's been so interesting
0: to talk to you and to hear your your points points of view. And we would love to talk to you whenever your book is ready because your book sounds
1: so interesting that you're working on. Yeah. So, well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate, appreciated this conversation. It's nice to have a normal conversation.
2: It really <laughs> well, is. We appreciate
1: That's you amazing. coming on. I'm sorry, Ellie.
2: I just was saying thank you as well. It really is so nice. And, and um, Bonnie and I are both really big fans of yours. Um, Twitter, so. Sorry. It's okay. Thanks. So much. <laughs> Work from home problems. Yeah.
1: Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for your understanding. <laughs> we
0: totally do. Okay. okay. Bye, Let's guys. Keep
1: Bye. <laughs>